That blood that redeemed us unto God. Bought us back. Purchased our life out of the slavery of sin. The bondage, the destruction that sin brought. Not of anything that we could do. But you sent Jesus because of your great love for us. To shed his blood. To cut a divine covenant to purchase our life back unto you. To reconcile us into right relationship with you. That we might become righteous, holy, sanctified, and set apart for an eternal purpose. Set in your mind before the foundation of the world. Oh God, you're faithful. To every generation, we're thankful. We're thankful. Thankful for your word. Thankful for the blood. Thankful for the Holy Ghost. Thankful for utterance today that you'll help us. Help me, Lord, to speak as we ought to speak. Help us to hear what you're saying to us. That truly things would be established in every heart and life. That we'll never be the same again having received from the holy written word of God, having received that which is spoken unto us, receiving it not just into our head, but into our heart. And in that planting of that seed of the word of God, each one will begin to realize harvest coming their way from that word, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise for that which will be produced from your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in the mighty and matchless and majestic name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, look at somebody next to you. Tell them, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 2. I want to get into a few things and, and really... Wrap up one section of what we're talking about so we can maybe introduce uh, the new. Um, and uh, just introducing it, we'll be able to get into it in more depth in a couple of weeks. Malachi and the second chapter. We're going to be, I'm going to read from the, the Message Bible. Let me get over there real quick. Praise the Lord. In the 13th verse, this has been our foundational text as we are discussing the mindset of marriage. And uh, so he says here, he says, and here's a second offense. You will fill the place, you fill the place of worship with your whining, your sniveling because you don't get what you want from God. Do you know why? Simple, because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. And now you've broken those vows, broken the faith bond. Somebody say the faith bond. Faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. Covenant wife. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God, that's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. 
He goes on to say a few other things, but we've read this. So uh, when we talk about the mindset of marriage, and we may work just a little bit backwards over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I entered into this a little bit differently than I thought I was going to get. Uh, I got kind of caught in it, if that's all right. You know, uh, we were talking about how we think and certain mindsets that really uh, uh, govern our life. And, and then I started to realize in thinking about the mindset of marriage and how it works, how covenant is, is really uh, uh, undeniably hooked in every facet of who we are as believers. And that most of the time, we as believers are not operating with a mindset to covenant. And as Americans, we really don't even understand covenant to its depth. And so because of that, we have all kinds of chaos going on, even in the midst of the church and in the midst of our lives as believers, simply because we've not really had a great understanding of covenant. And so Hosea says this, you know, if you begin to study a little bit about God's revival and the outpouring of the Spirit of God, the book of Joel and Hosea really talk about how God's going to come in these powerful manifestations of, of uh, you know, types and shadows of lightning and thunder and outpouring of the Spirit of God and some tremendous things. But in there, he has some other things to say. And one of those in Hosea uh, chapter 4, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So as I begin to look at that and think, how much knowledge do we really possess, do we remind ourselves of concerning covenant? Boy, if we did, there's not anything that we could not do because we have a covenant with the Almighty God. And so I want to, uh, uh, you know, wrap up here if I can, these last couple of things on, on the mindset of marriage and then introduce where we're going with this uh, because I believe that it's going to help us uh, in, in coming into this fall and moving into next year because I believe that as we've been praying into 2023 and 2024, 2024 has within it, has within it some incredible, incredible things that will be seen by those who understand and are walking in their covenant with God. Under that covering, that umbrella, though everything's going on around you, you are positioned so much differently than you would be with a lack of understanding outside of it. What would come upon you won't come upon you. So we're going to have to dig in. We're going to have to open up our hearts. We're going to have to, to open up our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying so that we can rightly divide the word of truth and get into that. All right. So uh, real quick, we're talking about these 10 mindsets. A mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and of yourself. It influences how you think, feel, and believe in any given situation. It means that what you believe about yourself impacts your success or failure. Now we're talking about marriage, so it would be how you, it would influence how you feel, think, and believe about your marriage, your spouse, and it would mean that what you believe about that will impact being successful in marriage or not successful in marriage. Amen. Are you all with me? 
So uh, we, jo- we dove in to these 10 things about marriage. I'm just going to go through what we've gone through. Uh, the first mindset or belief is that problems are opportunities. When you're in marriage, instead of thinking problems are the end all to all, we're not right for each other, that because you're one flesh, two are better than one. It's a power union, not a power struggle. There's nothing you cannot conquer with God. There's nothing that you cannot overcome. The support of one another will keep you from trouble you would otherwise get into and will help you with situations and problems that come your way because the enemy would seek to destroy. Come on, we help one another out. Two are better than one. So listen, if one starts to fall, the other helps them up. So if we're really depending upon this covenant, we stay out of problems that we would otherwise get into by yielding to one another's strengths that cover our weaknesses. So not only will we avoid problems we would otherwise get into because we don't know about covenant or we don't have a mindset, we just think problems exist or we have a fixed mindset that if all this was right, it would work out perfectly no matter what we do. We stay out of that. And then the enemy is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy your marriage and you, but coming together in the bond of God, a threefold cord, as we talked about that covenant, will never be broken, can't be broken, is difficult to break. So the problems that come by virtue of the enemy to destroy, joining together those problems that are created, you overcome them. You have the solution. Problems that you would get into, you don't. When you have a good mindset that we're not going to give place to the problems, we just see the opportunity that is presented to us to bind together. Number two, caring for yourself is not selfish. If you don't have something, you can't give something. So take care of yourself, spirit, soul, and body. Number three, love each other in all of its dimensions. All of its dimensions. So we begin to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Understand that we're not living life simply by human love. My flesh likes your flesh. We should be nice to each other. We're going much deeper than that. We're looking at the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. We're looking at a love that's patient, that's kind, it's long-suffering, doesn't take account of a wrong done to it, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth isn't boastful, isn't proud, isn't arrogant. So we look at that and say, wow, it's time that we get beyond the infatuation, simply the feelings, and make a decision to love in all of its facets. Number four, intimacy is the key. Intimacy is the key. Not sexual relationships. Usually when we talk about intimacy, we're, we're talking about physical. But really, in order to get to the the full understanding of that covenant relationship, even the covenant bond that exists in a physical relationship uh, that exists, right? That sexual relationship is so valuable to God, but it's preceded by true intimacy of sharing our thoughts and our hearts with one another. And in sharing our thoughts and our hearts properly, we're sharing our strengths and our weaknesses so that the other person's strengths and weaknesses can really begin to enfold and bond in that through intimacy. We can't fit together. We can't come together in strengths and weaknesses. We can't be that opposite that, that, and have that engagement of opposite unless we intimately know how that fits right. 
And so really in covenant, the, the external, fleshly part of that is the physical covenant relationship. And that physical relationship, you know, if you wonder why throughout the scripture that, uh, 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 it, it, you know, the number one list throughout the scripture, you can say all kinds of things are under the law, but what God does not like across the board is sexual immorality. It's in every list. You may miss a few, but sexual immorality. Even when Paul came and was discussing with the disciples, you know, what should we do? What should we do about these Gentiles? And they said, well, we can't put the whole law on the Gentiles, but here's a few things that we need to do. They, they don't eat meat offered to idols. Don't get into idol worship. Get away from all that. But one thing he said, and quit engaging in sexual immorality. Why? Because your, your, your physical relationship with your spouse is so valuable and precious to God. It carries out the purpose of God. It's a, a sign, a mirror image of the oneness, the two of you becoming one flesh. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, why would you join yourself to a harlot and become one with her? Do, do, do you not know that the two shall become one flesh? So he said, when you join yourself like this, you're entering into a covenant process without any vow to hold that together. And then if you just do it with anybody anywhere, just understanding how valuable and precious it is to God, supply and demand. Supply and demand. If there's a low supply, high demand, value goes way up. If you can get it anywhere, anytime, value goes down. So the covenant physical relationship of marriage in our culture has been so degraded that we don't even understand the value of it anymore. It just becomes an emotional feeling, an outlet of our own desire. But God says it is so incredibly valuable that it should be between one man and one woman because the value of that covenant is incredibly, incredibly high. So leading to the strength of that with true intimacy brings such unity and such power, such safety, such safety in renewing that covenant. So we're going to have to take time, not just to think, well, we're intimate when we're physical, but we're intimate when we begin to share our hearts, our thoughts, our dreams with one another, not just one getting to share theirs and the other not listening, together we join ourselves in intimacy. Number five, your relationship has a life of its own. It's a great mystery how you can have two people who are different genders. They have different gifts and callings. We're brought up in different areas and different cultures, uh, different thought processes, different emotions, and how you can bring that into one. But with all that diversity, when he brings us into one, it creates a very unique relationship. It creates a, a, a really a, a new birth experience in marriage. That when you make that covenant with each other, a new creation exists. Something that never existed before, a brand new family comes to pass. And so in that brand new family and all of its uniqueness... 
You have to understand there's, there's laws that govern it. There's, there's, there's things that we learn that apply because of male and female, but you also have to be understanding. God put us together for a divine reason in a divine place with a divine purpose. And how do we come to the point together with our uniquenesses and fulfill that divine purpose? Your marriage has a life of its own that when you give it to intimacy, you start to find out, you know what? Ours isn't just like everybody else's. We're not cookie cutter. Although together in all of the understanding of covenant and union, we are unified and we come together. There's a likeness, but a difference. It's a reflection of God, but in the uniqueness of God's splendor and his color, each part of it, each marriage has its own reflection of God and the color of that. So some marriages are more colorful than others. We'll just put it that way. Some marriages are more colorful than others. You know, Tasha and I, uh, we took, uh, I might share this before, but we took a, um, a behavioral test during COVID. We, we got with a leadership team to help us. We took a behavioral test. Uh, he's done millions and millions of them in his company. And so it wasn't, a, it wasn't necessarily a personality test. It gives you, you know, just so many questions and you answer them. And so we took all that. We met with him explained to us some things. We took that uh, behavioral test, and uh, the next time we got on the, uh, the, the Zoom meeting with him, uh, the first thing he said, he's, you know, he said, good morning, how's everybody? And he, then he said, congratulations, you're married to yourself. <laughs> he said, in all my years of doing this, I have never found a husband and wife so behaviorally alike. And then he said, I bet things really get lively around your place. <laughs> Colorful is a better word. So it explained a lot to us. You know, sometimes when we have an argument, I'm like, you're doing this. She said, no, you're doing that. And I said, no, you're doing that. She said, no, you're doing that. And then we found out, well, of course, you're doing it and I'm doing it because we do it the same. <laughs> Yet we're different. Our giftings are different. Our calling is different. We both lead. We're both strong-willed. So it creates a color that's different than anybody else's. So we have to call on God for the uniqueness of our covenant relationship. You need to do the same. Because each marriage has a life of its own. Number six, you can't change your spouse. People spend most of their married life trying to change their spouse. When we're trying to change our spouse many times, without knowing it, we're trying to make them like us. But if we wanted them so much to be like us, why did we get married? We already had us. When we saw them, we actually saw something that was different than us, saw the plan of God, embraced that, and we should have spent the rest of our life embracing how that works and understanding how that works, making the changes to make it work together on our own basis, judging ourselves and making the changes to make it work, not spending all the rest of our married life together trying to change our spouse. So we already looked at that. You know, Jesus said, you got to be careful. You can help one another. But when, you're, when all you see is bored, 
that needs to be changed in your spouse, you might look first and make sure you're not looking at the board that's in your eye when there's only a speck in your spouse's eye. That went over big. All right. Number seven, make marriage your priority. Make marriage your priority. So I believe the scripture, our foundational text, explains that so well. So well. Guard the spirit of marriage within you. It's divinely inspired. It's God's idea. God made marriage, not you. It's something that's supernatural. It's something that's powerful. It's something that God ordained in the earth. With everything that you want in your relationship with God, understand this. When God created the heavens and the earth and made everything and manufactured it to His pleasure, He put man on it. After He put man on it, the first thing He did was establish family. So for all the other things that you want to see God do, He started with family. So for everything you want to see God do through you and in you and for you, begin to look and say, how do I respond to family? How do I respond to family? How do I respond to the family of God? For everybody here who's not married, if you've been here, we've been talking about it. Covenant goes on. We'll talk about it in a little bit more. Covenant applies to every relationship that God's ordained to be. So sometimes we're not married, we don't have a family, but God's put us in a family. God's married us to Him. Do we understand that? Do we view it in that way? Because from that, everything begins to proceed. The legacy of God proceeds from that, looks at that. So when we don't make that a priority, we make chasing other things a priority and then wonder why we're not catching up with the very things that God said actually would overtake us. Man, we're running ourselves ragged going like, wow, man, when am I going to get to this? And how many hours am I going to have to work for that? And what am I going to have to do with this? And God said, if you understand covenant, you won't be chasing the blessing all the time. The blessing will come upon you and overtake you. How many of you would rather have the blessing come on you and overtake you than you chasing the blessing all the time? See, all of a sudden we start to understand covenant and go, Wow. I didn't understand this, and so I'm running myself ragged. So Jesus said, if you don't understand covenant, you're going to get weary and burdened down and really get tired with life. So come to me and learn from me how covenant oneness with God works. And then your burden will be light and your yoke will be easy. Okay. Number eight, forgiveness and gratitude make for a happier marriage. Wow. So if we focus on love, love doesn't take an account of a wrong done to it. And we have so many situations and circumstances that if we're not careful, because we get so familiar in marriage. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. So there's a real strategy in marriage. You can't help but get familiar. So the guard is becoming contemptful with each other. Getting so used to each other that you already have a fixed mindset. I already know how this is going to go. And then because you know that, you are picking up stuff, carrying it around with you, concerning your spouse year after year, day after day, and God's not able 
to get into your marriage because he says in Mark chapter 11, while you stand praying, while you're exercising faith to move mountains in your life, at the same time you're praying and confessing and believing that you receive what you are declaring with your mouth and believing in your heart, check one thing. Do you have anything against anyone? I'm just going to be honest with you. It's a real challenge that I have had. Picking up stuff. And you know, I thought I just got it whipped. I've gone through some, some serious lamentations. Lamenting before God over what is going on. And he's like, well, you picked that up against that person. I'm like, seriously? That's picking up something? How does anybody? He says, we're not talking about anybody. We're talking about you. I said, okay. Me. How do I? And he said, pay attention. So I thought I had it. I mean, I whew, felt a lift. Then pretty soon I'm struggling again. I'm struggling again. I'm like, come on. I've let it go. And he pointed me right back to my wife. He said, over these years, you picked up these things. And every time something happens, you look at that thing concerning her. And it comes right up in your mind. And your self-talk is all about how she does that. And if you don't let that go, I can't move you where I want you to go. That will just mess you up. So in my prayer closet, I'm like, whoo, got the victory. Went home, and she said that very thing. <laughs> and guess what I did? Picked it right back up. <laughs> so I'm coming into prayer the next morning going, this isn't going to be pretty. Because I waited till the next morning. I suggest you don't do that. Who knows what's going to happen between that time. Just let it go. But he's not trying to punish me. He's trying to get breakthrough. Because he knows that he fit us together. Our gifts fit really good. They're really different. She's a great teacher. She's a great communicator. I'm just all over the map. But you need a little all over the map sometimes. I know how to get victory. I know how to overcome. She knows how to explain it. There's some things, breakthrough, miraculous things that God showed us that we have to get to. And you can't get to it carrying baggage. Things are going to start moving like they've never moved before. In the name of Jesus, things are going to start moving like they've never moved before. There's coming a pace and there's coming a time that the pace of the race is going to have to pick up. You can't be weighed down by things you've accumulated over the days and over the years and over a period of time. 
It won't be sufficient for the day that is coming. The day that is coming, you have to unload and depart from the things that have weighed you down mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually because God's moving us into a day that time will begin to seem as it gets shorter. And the opportunities that he sets up for divine influence, you'll have to be there, impart, release minister, and be moving in a quick way. Cannot be weighed down by offense and struggle. Just won't work. Just won't work in the days to come. You'll find yourself falling behind. Always feeling like you can't catch up. Feeling on the, like the proverbial hamster on the wheel. Simply because you didn't depend upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to let it go. To let it go. And when you do, forgiveness and gratitude. When you do, You'll feel so light, so easy, that you'll have such thanksgiving in your heart for the grace of God. Such thanksgiving in your heart to God that once and for all, that which burdens you, that which dogged your tracks, that which came up every time things were difficult for you. It was always someone else, something else, somebody else. There was no thanksgiving in that. There was turmoil in that. But once that's broken, once that's released in you by the power of God, once you release it unto Him and get it under the blood, there will be such thanksgiving, such release, such pep to your step, glide to your stride, as Brother Joe would say. That rejoicing will be easy. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always. In everything, give thanks. Because this is the will of God concerning you. People, I want to know God's will for my life. Rejoice and be thankful. No, I know, no, no, I mean the will of God. Well, he just said right there. That would be the will of God. See, we're always looking for the spectacular, missing the supernatural. If you're looking for the will of God and you can't forgive and give thanks, then something supernatural has to take place so that you can forgive and be thankful. Then you might see the spectacular. But until then, you're just looking for something that's not happening. Asking God why it's not happening. But we're not allowing his supernatural power to break us free from what we picked up against someone. No, we're not laying it down. We're not being thankful to God for the life that we now live by faith in the Son of God. Thankful for who you have as a spouse. Husbands, when you found a wife, you found a good thing. You found favor with God. (laughs) You did not find a ball and chain. You found favor with God. Be thankful. 
there's trouble, plead the blood. It's God's plan. Wasn't your plan anyway? Wasn't I turning out according to my plan? Well, then get in God's plan. God works in the realm of forgiveness and gratitude. He works in it. He works in it. He works in it. He cannot work. Where there's selfishness and there's strife, there is confusion, and every evil thing is there. You can close the door right there at your house by saying, selfishness, strife, in the name of Jesus, you're out the door. Thanksgiving, forgiveness, gratitude, rejoicing, come on home. Got to think that way. It's a mindset. Come on, I'm preaching a little bit at you, and I'm sorry. Because I really want to communicate to you. I want to communicate to you accurately. You know, getting it through to you accurately is so, so important. You know, you heard about the guy who lived in uh, Chicago in uh, the middle of winter, and it got really cold, and his wife was on a business trip. They were planning on going to Florida. He decided to go a day early, and so he got down to Florida, and uh, the, the problem, he wanted to send her a message that he left early. Uh, the problem was he forgot her email address. So when he sent the email, the email arrived at the wrong place. It arrived at the house of a pastor's wife whose husband had just died the day before. So she got the email. She was there. People were around. She got the email. When she read it, she just fell on the floor. So somebody went over and got the email and looked at what it said. And so the first line of the email said, just wanted to let you know I arrived. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. P.S. Sure is warm down here. So I want to communicate accurately. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this according to covenant. Not leave and go misinterpret how it, how it goes. It's so important for us. Where we're going as believers to set that place of reflection with God in the earth. Number nine, work on the sanctity of your marriage. I know it's all been leading up to this, but sanctity means holy, set apart. That your marriage would be holy and set apart to God. Not just fitting into the world, not just fitting into the day-to-day and the the struggle of the world, but you've already looked at it and you've made it a priority and and you've decided to get things out of your marriage that existed so that it could be totally set apart to God's purpose and God's plan. What He has planned for you, because what He has planned for you in this covenant union is so extraordinary, it's so great that the enemy attacks it day after day after day because he knows the power of covenant. He knows the importance of covenant. God says you're heirs together. 1 Peter chapter 3, he lines out the function and the role. We'll get into that a little bit later. Some services to come. But he ends with it. He says, you're heirs together of the grace of life. Together, God puts you together to be heirs together of God's great grace. The ability of God, the favor of God to rest upon you. The power of God to rest upon you. Heirs together of grace. This, this unmerited favor of God to be on your household. 
the empowerment of God to exist within your union. The influence of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you, not to, apart from one another, but together in a supernatural way. God sets you apart, lifted you up, sanctified you, and made you holy together unto his purpose. Number 10, focus on what you have. Focus on what you have. We spend so much of our married life hoping we have something else. Have a new car, have a new house. Have something different. Different situation. But if we actually looked at what God placed in our hands and begin to honor Him, understand, utilize what we've been put together for with Him, God can do amazing things with things that we think are small, but that we give to Him. When we focus on what we have, the strengths that we have, the union that we have, the blessing that we have, it may not measure up. It may not comparison, compare with someone else. But if we start with God and we say, I thank you for that. I'm going to look at what you put in my hands, what you've given for me to do, what you've placed in my life. Big or small, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to give you thanks. And I'm going to give it back to you so you can do something extraordinary with it. So no matter what flaws or shortcomings I have in my marriage, if I thank him, For what I do have. He can do something more than I ever asked, hoped, dreamed, or thought. It's gaining a mindset, truly believing these things. Truly believing these things. Hope you wrote them down. Hope you look back over them. Hope you talk about them, husband and wife. If you're not married, you begin to look at them and prepare your heart for when you are. Or look at how you're operating in different covenant relationships in the church and with Jesus. Because these mindsets, these things of how you believe, how you look at these situations. When I, when I read them, if you're like, not me, we're not doing that. Okay, you have a belief. And we'll see how that impacts the success or failure of what you're living in. What you're living in. Because God has a tremendous, tremendous plan for us. And to think of this in the light of covenant. The light of covenant. I like this. In studying covenant, one person's definition of covenant is this. Divinely created bonds. Divinely created bonds bonds. So covenant, covenant is a kingdom mechanism by which God steps into relationship. Covenant. This divinely created bond by God the covenant that we have with God has a warranty. In every covenant relationship, and we're going to go into this when we get back from guest ministers, we'll start a series called Bound Together. We'll weave in and out of marriage, but it's so important to understand that we are covenanted together. 
Every relationship that God has ordained is divinely ordained of God. It's not man's idea, just like marriage, it's God's idea. The church is not man's idea. It's not a social group designed by men. It's God-ordained relationship, covenant relationship. We don't treat church like covenant. We don't treat church like it was God's idea. We do say that. We say, oh, I came in here. I knew God called me here. God called me to this church. And then tomorrow people are gone and never return. Well, if God called you here, well, he called me here. I felt like that, but you know, I ran into some things I didn't particularly like. Wait a minute. God, it was, this was God's idea. If we think covenant, relationship. And then to understand covenant relationships are warranted by God. So you have a manufacturer, he creates something, you know, whenever you get something uh, that's manufactured, you get a warranty with it. How many of you read the warranty that comes with your stuff? Just as I thought, nobody. Right? Because we've made things so expendable, we've made things so disposable that we no longer read the warranty because we figure if I void the warranty, I'm just going to go buy another one. And that's crept over into marriage. If I void the warranty, I'll just find another one, but that's not God's design. So covenant's warranted. And so when you look at something that's warranted, you look at it and it says, the manufacturer made this. And if there's anything that goes wrong in the midst of your operation of it as it should operate, I will cover it. Creator, manufacturer, we will cover it. We will fix it. We will make it like new. We will make it right. Covenant, God's covenant relationships are warranty. But when you read a warranty, it says, if you void this warranty, you are not covered. You are not covered. And so if we don't understand covenant, we don't understand warranty, we start getting outside of the principles that govern covenant. And we're wondering why, just as he said in the beginning, we're praying, we're asking God, why aren't things turning out the way I want? Why am I not getting what I want from you? Because what I want from you is what I've looked into your word, but why is it not happening? And he said, you don't understand covenant. And you've gone outside of it. And the warranty is not in effect. It's not in effect. So, as we said, that covenant's like an umbrella. Sometimes we just think, why is all this happening? But if you're under that, you're like, it's happening all around. But it's not happening at my house. You know, if you're not careful, the devil will make you feel bad about that. Why is it happening everywhere? It's not happening at our house. He'll get you thinking, maybe, oh, something bad might happen. But if you're under the covering, you're warranted by God, the Creator. You know that divine, that divine position. That divine position. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when we come back, we're going to talk about 
Five ingredients. Five ingredients that exist in God-ordained covenants. God-ordained covenants. It'll help our marriage. It'll help our relationship with God. It'll help our relationship with the church. Because when we operate in it, God warranties it. He warranties it. These blessings will come upon you and overtake you. If God said it, He'll do it. If He promised it, He'll perform it. Now, when we start to get into covenant relationship, then we get into honor. When we get into honor, oh my goodness. Just heard a short teaching on honor the other day. I, I won't go into it. I won't. Whew! You tie all those things together. It's powerful. So I hope you'll come back in a few weeks and just really set yourself to intently come back. I'm going to ask you a favor. That you all just move up front a little bit. Because I tried to come down there to get close to you. But then people said, I can't see you. I thought I could be seen because I'm taller. But the person sitting in front of you must be taller. But I believe it's so important. And it helps communication. It helps my voice too. I know it's amplified, but something in me from coaching, if you're way off in left field, I feel the need to yell. And if I yell, you think I'm intense, and then it affects how you hear. You think, what do you mean? Come down here tomorrow. It's hot down here. Wrong email address. So if we all get in the proper address, we can have better communication. This, that I believe where God is leading us into in covenant, will change everything, create breakthrough, and release miracle working power. It will help many of you in what the Spirit of God just said. Time's not going to get slower. It's not going to wait for us. The call of God's not going to wait for us. So it's time to understand covenant, unload baggage, so that we are fleet-footed. We're able to move without hindrance into some divinely appointed places that God has called you to. But divine appointments mean being on divine schedule. Not being too early, not being too late, but being right on time. And understanding covenant will help us be right on time. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you. In the name of Jesus, right now we pray over this prayer cloth. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the everlasting covenant being shed. To release healing. You poured out your life 
the power of life, the life of God, would be released towards those who believe. Miracle working power. So when this cloth is brought to the one who's ailing, who's been attacked in their body, on the basis of the blood that you shed, this anointing saturates that cloth and based on the covenant that you made with humanity and your faithfulness to that covenant, healing anointing will be released. We believe there will be restoration and health. We look for a good report. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, the altar workers will be up here to pray with you. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus... Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. Remember, Pastor Zane's preaching. You don't want to miss it.